Today's episode is sponsored by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Just go to Indeed.com slash BrainsOn right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to BrainsOn, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Now, you're going to translate the following sentence. Let's go for a walk. Oh, I know this one. (laughs) Thanks. I've been working on it. Now, translate this. There's a bush. I'm going to pee on it. I know. That's a tough one. Hey, Sandin and Penelope Poodle. What you doing? Oh, hey, Molly. Hey, Sasha. I'm using these tapes to work on my BSL. Your what? You know, BSL. Barking as a second language. Penelope's helping me work on my accent. I know, I know. It's terrible. But hey, your language is really hard, Penelope. And I know I'm not even close to nailing the accent yet. Next, translate the following. Please, can I have your peanut butters? Uh, oh, I think it's... Wait, like like this? I think she's saying it more like... No, you're mispronouncing the second half. It's... No, 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 no. You're listening to Brains On from APM Studios. I'm Molly Bloom, and my co-host today is Zasha from Oxford, England. Hi, Zasha. Hi, Molly. I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am to be here. I'm doing my excited face right now, so it's just as well. No one can see me. (laughs) I would love to see what your excited face looks like, but I am also very excited you're here, so I'm making my excited face, which you can't see. So, Zasha, this episode was inspired by a question that you sent to us. You wanted to know how accents develop. So, an accent is basically different ways of pronouncing the same words. So, for instance, I say... This water glass is half full. And Zasha, you say... This water glass is half full. Sounds a little different, right? Some words are pronounced very differently, especially between England, where Zasha lives, and the United States, where I live, like vitamin. Vitamin. Schedule. Schedule. Tomato. Tomato. And depending on where you live in the UK or the US, you might pronounce these differently than Zasha and I do. Or maybe you live in Australia or India, or Zimbabwe. Your pronunciation is probably pretty different too. So today, we're going to look at why there are so many different ways to pronounce the same words and where our accents come from. And we should mention that you can have different accents in many different languages, but we're focusing on English today. So, Zosha, I'm curious. What made you think of this question? Well, I was reading a science magazine And it had a couple of pages about accents, but I really didn't think it delved deep enough and I really wanted to find out more. So when you first talked to me about this, you said your accent 
sort of a muddle of different accents. So can you tell me what your accent is a mix of? It's sort of a mix of North and South English. So for people who are not from England, like me, what are sort of some of the differences that you've noticed in those two accents? Well, so sometimes I say things like plant, grass, bath, which is like sort of Yorkshire. Sometimes I say grass, path, bath, glass, which is where Oxford comes in, which is where I live. I hear a muddle of uh, different vowels every day. So I say a muddle of different (laughs) vowels every day. And right now you're in Poland visiting your mom's family and friends because she's from Poland originally. So when you speak Polish, do you feel like your accent is different than the native speakers around you? Well, actually, I didn't. But someone pointed out to me that my accent is a little bit more sing-song um, and it goes up higher at the end uh, than native Polish speakers' um, sentences. And I think that's something to do with um, my English accent, like maybe like the same melody. Mm, that's really interesting. Could you do a little example of like what it might sound like when you speak a Polish sentence and what maybe the other Polish speakers are picking up on? Mój accent to jest taki, no, nie wiem jak to mówić, ale... So that's how yeah, you would say I it. Speak, I speak like that a lot mm-hmm. um, because sometimes I don't know um, what to say. So I kind of say but and this thing instead of the actual word. That's really interesting. So, Zasha, your accent has hints of both of your parents, but you mostly sound like people from Oxford, which is a specific kind of British accent. And that makes sense because you live there and lots of your friends speak with that accent. Right. And humans are wired to want to fit in with friends and neighbors. We are social animals, and that means we love being part of a group. Millions of years ago, as we were first evolving, being a part of a group kept us safe. We kept an eye out for predators, hunted for food together, shared the berries we gathered. Working as a team helped us thrive. And that's affected the ways that we talk and act today. As soon as we're old enough to go to school, we want to fit in with the group. And part of that is talking like everyone else. Even if you don't notice it, your brain is trying to get you to fit in with all of the other kids. Over time, your accent will become similar to theirs. So if you're at a school where everyone has a Minnesotan accent, soon enough, you'll sound Minnesotan too. Even if your parents are from New York. I lived in Brooklyn until I was six years old, and there are some home movies of me from when I'm about five and I have this little New York accent. But then we moved to Minnesota and it started to fade as I wanted to sound more like the other kids my age. But sometimes, if you learn a language later in life, it's harder for you to shed the sounds you grew up with. So you may still have an accent. So, Zasha, can you roll your R's? Yeah, I can, actually, because I know both Polish and French pretty well. I can speak them, read them, understand them. And rolling your R's is like a key element of both of those languages. So if I say this little phrase in Polish, Ja i Barbara idziemy na rower we Wrocławiu. Amazing. What does that phrase mean? Me and Barbara are going on our bikes in um, Wrocław, which is a Polish city. Very nice. Yeah, so I learned Spanish when I was in school. Um, And it was hard for me to roll my R's. I did not grow up with that sound. And I can kind of do it now, but I will never sound like someone who grew up speaking Spanish or Polish like you. The cool thing about accents is that they're full of history. 
Right. The accents we have today took generations to develop and changed over time as different groups of people moved around and learned how to pronounce things from each other. So in a way, your accent tells a story of you, who your ancestors are, all the places they lived and where they moved. Plus the story of where you grew up, which groups of people lived there, and how their languages combined to influence the way you speak today. We have a special guest here to answer some of our questions about accents. His name is Eric Singer. He works with actors who need to change their accent for a role in a play, TV series, or movie. Welcome, Eric. Hi. So how do you help people learn to do different accents? Well, the first thing we do is we always want to start with a model. Um, You know, we never want to kind of go, this is, you know, accent X, because there's no such thing. You know, accents are are ultimately, we can draw big circles around groups of people, but ultimately they're a really individual thing. And they're so tied to identity and every aspect of our felt identity and group belonging. I'm breaking it down into the various elements. So we have all the individual specific sounds, but we also have kind of the shapes that the mouth and the jaw and the tongue and the lips make. And then the music, the musicality, the intonation, the rise and fall uh, of pitch and sort of stress and rhythm and things, because that's also a really integral part of an accent. And then we practice and practice and practice and practice and practice. Okay, so can you help us learn each other's accents? And what's a good sample sentence to kind of like practice with? Uh, well, I, this is a fun one. I think go, going both directions is, uh, is the following sort of little, sort of little ditty, little saying, right? So I'm going to say it first in an American accent. So I guess, Sasha, let's, let's start with you. We'll do it piece by piece. All I want. All I want. Good. So we're going to go, ah, for want. All I want. Mm-hmm. All I want. Much better. Is a proper cup of coffee. Is a proper cup of coffee. That was excellent. Wow. Great. Very good. Molly, you want to give that a go? We're going to go, all I want. All I want. Very nice. (laughs) Is a proper cup of coffee. Is a proper cup of coffee. You guys are geniuses. This is great. All right, we're going to go on from there then. So all I want is a proper cup of coffee uh, made from a proper copper coffee pot. So Molly, we'll keep going with you for now. So made from a proper copper coffee pot. Made from a proper copper coffee pot. You're doing really well, <laughs> getting those R's out there and, and, and getting that sort of slightly, that ah vowel sound, which is, is featured heavily in this little saying. So let's go back to Zasha. So now, of course, that same sound, that ah sound in all those words, in American English, it's just ah, right? It's a very simple, plain, open ah sound. So made from a proper copper coffee pot. Made from a proper copper coffee pot. Pretty good. We're going to try it one more time, Zasha. And so this time, coffee is a little bit lip-rounded, whereas proper and copper and pot, they're all just that ah sound. So let's see if we can make that difference. Proper copper coffee pot. Proper copper coffee pot. That was really good. Do you have a, a favorite accent to help people learn or to do yourself? I, I really love Northern Irish accents. Um, I really love um, I really love Swedish accents because that's you know that's that's my mom and some of my childhood. Could you give an example of a Swedish accent? 
So Swedish accents, I mean, obviously individual. So, you know, one of the things we need to know is, is the Swede that we're talking about is their main model for, uh, for their English. Is it American English or is it British English? Because these are going to be different things. But there's certain things that are always going to be the case, which is that, uh, for example, you really can't do Z sounds because it doesn't exist in Swedish. So this and that and those, it's always an S. And Eric, I... I was wondering too, you you talked a little bit earlier about sort of the musical intonations. Are there other sort of musicalities that you've noticed in different um, accents that you'd like to highlight? Somebody who is speaking English as a second language, let's say Russian is their first language, but there's just a little bit of something that you can tell that it's not quite actually a native speaker. So I'm, I'm actually going to try to lighten up some of these vowel sounds and things to get even more proficient with American English. But there's something about the intonation that you can hear that's it. That's a little bit. You might not even be able to tell exactly where it's coming from, but it's it's coming from Russian because if I do stereotypical and we talk about squirrels, right? We've got da 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 that kind of music. Um, but yeah, it's about going up and going down, and it's about how we how we accent things, how we how we stress and highlight the important bits of what we're saying, so that so that people can latch onto them. And there are a million different ways to do that. And each language and each accent has its own characteristic set of doing them. Thank you so much. Bye, Eric. Bye-bye. Brains on. All right, Zasha, let's give our tongues a rest for a bit and turn to our ears because it's time for the mystery sound. It sounds like uh, either a hoover or a leaf blower. Um, hmm. Very, very, almost certainly, I think it's like a hoover. A hoover is what we would call away. a vacuum in the, in the States. Vacuum, of course, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It definitely sounds like there's a motor happening. I don't know what this one is either, so I have no idea. Yeah, some motorized thing is happening. So hoover mm-hmm. or leaf blower. Okay, yeah, gonna... it also sounds like air coming out of something, mm. like hot air. Interesting. Um, but I think, yeah, air comes out of a hoover or a vacuum. So Very good. Yeah. Well, we're going to hear it again and get another chance to guess after the credits. We're working on an episode all about our super-duper neato imaginations, and we want to hear from you. Have you ever had an imaginary friend? Tell us about them. So, Zasha, I'm wondering, have you ever had an imaginary friend? Yep, I had one when I was maybe four or five. His name was Uki. He was a cartoon (laughs) character. I got super angry when people sat on him in the bus, and I told some of my friends about him. Um, By the end of the year, they were all claiming he was their friend as well. (laughs) All of my friends. Oh, man. Uki, did you mind sharing Uki with them? No. It was okay. What what did Uki look like? He looked like, I don't really remember. I think he looked like one of the Teletubbies, but he wasn't a Teletubby. I really don't remember. But you remember Uki and that you did not want people to sit on him. Listeners, please record yourself telling us about your imaginary friend and send it to us at brainson.org slash contact. We'll play some of your answers on that episode. And while you're there, you can always send us your mystery sounds, drawings, and questions. Like this one. My name is Margo. My question is, do your eyes close all the way every time you blink? 
You can find an answer to that on the Moment of Um podcast. It's a dose of fabulous facts every weekday. Just search for Moment of Um wherever you listen to Brains On. And keep listening. You're listening to Brains On from APM Studios. I'm Zosha. And I'm Molly. So this is something I've always wondered. You and I both speak English, Zosha. And the reason I speak English is that British people colonized this land hundreds of years ago. So why don't I have a British accent like yours? I can help answer that. It's producer Rosie Dupont. Hi, Rosie. Hi, Zosha. Hi, Molly. So I think accents are a bit like the vegetable soups my grandmother used to make. Whenever I'd go over to her house for lunch, she'd be whipping up a new one. And even though she claimed they were all the same, she'd always throw in different types and amounts of veggies. So every soup was totally unique. Just like my grandma's veggie soup, we tend to lump British accents into one big group. But really, there are around 40 different accents in the UK. And every individual in the UK has their own special unique accent because there are so many different ingredients in each one. So each British accent has a slightly different recipe? Exactly. So in order to answer the question, why don't Americans sound like British people, we have to talk about British and American accents in general. For the sake of simplicity, I'm going to be talking about the most well-known British accent, which is called RP, or Received Pronunciation, and the typical American accent, which is called GA, or General American. And I actually got Eric to record some examples for us. So here's an example of RP, or Received Pronunciation. It's what you might hear on a news channel like the BBC, especially something like BBC4. Uh, and here's a GA accent or a general American accent, which is often incorrectly thought of as being no accent at all. That's not a thing. Now, the biggest difference between those two accents is whether or not you can hear the R sound. Let's hear those R's in action. Star, star. Clear, clear. Can you hear the difference, Sasha? I can, very clearly. <laughs> <laughs> There is a special word for pronouncing the R sound. It's called rhotic pronunciation. Rhotic. 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 Exactly. In general, Americans pronounce their R's, so they have rhotic accents, and British accents are mostly non-rhotic, meaning they don't say all of their R's. Let's hear it one more time. Father, farther. Pork, pork. Very different, right? So here's the strange thing. A few hundred years ago, British people pronounced their R's, much like Americans do today. To understand what happened, we have to go back in time to 1607, before the U.S. was even a country, when a bunch of Englishmen sailed across the Atlantic Ocean and landed in what is now Virginia. These British colonists settled on land already inhabited by Powhatan people and built a settlement called Jamestown. Over the next 175 years, as more and more British people came over the Atlantic to North America, they brought their rhotic accents with them. So most early American English speakers said all of their R's. Then, in the late 1700s, there was a big war called the American Revolution, where colonists living in North America fought for independence and kicked the British government out. Give me liberty or give me death. But preferably liberty, because I like being alive. So British people were still pronouncing their R's then? 
like Americans do now? Well, around this time, back in London, another British accent, one that drops the R sound in the middle and at the ends of words, was becoming popular. London was the center of culture and influence, and so over the next 150 years, this non-rhotic, no-ah accent spread throughout the British Empire. But this trend never really reached America, so most Americans just kept saying their R's. For the most part, yes, but there are a few exceptions. Like that veggie soup I was talking about, there are a ton of different accents in America, too. Even non-rhotic, no-R ones. In Boston, for example, a lot of folks drop their R's, like this. Hey, pack your car and have it yet. The English spoken in the Boston area was influenced by Algonquin Indians, Quakers, and Puritans, but no one knows exactly why it became a Bostonian thing to drop the R sound. Some people think it's because a lot of British folks with non-rhotic accents were spending time in Boston during the 19th and 20th centuries. But accents are influenced by so many things, it's hard to say. And that's the story for most accents in the U.S. Immigrants from lots of other countries bring their own accents with them. So what we think of the American accent is always changing. Cool. Thanks for that bit of history, Rosie. Anytime. Catch you later. Brains, brains, brains. When we started researching this episode, we noticed something strange. We were looking for information on all of the unique accents that exist among English speakers and how those accents developed and changed over time. Instead, though, a lot of what we found was pages advertising, fix your accent or get rid of your accent. But why would someone want to change their accent? Everyone has one. Some are based on where you live. Others might also be unique to your racial or ethnic group. How someone speaks can be a very important part of their identity. But just like other aspects of identity, sometimes people believe untrue and unfair things about people based on accents. To learn more about this, we talked to Nicole Holliday. Nicole is a professor at Pomona College, and she's interested in sociolinguistics. Socio means the study of society, and linguistics means the study of language. So basically, I'm very interested in questions about how people hear other people and then make social judgments about them. Nicole explained that sometimes when people point out that someone has an accent, they're just sort of noticing it. Like you say tomato and I say tomato. Exactly. But other times it's more negative, like a complaint. Because what they're saying is this person is different from me and I'm not necessarily comfortable with that. And this isn't fair, right? It's, it's a prejudice. A prejudice is a judgment someone makes about another person without getting to know them first, like deciding you don't like someone because of how they look or what they believe. And researchers found people are prejudiced against certain types of accents. Yep. For example, researchers at the University of Chicago found that when a person with a noticeable foreign or regional accent said a true but sort of surprising statement, like, Did you know that giraffes can actually last longer without drinking water than camels can? Listeners were less likely to believe them. But if someone with a more common American accent said the same thing, they'd be quicker to think they were telling the truth. It's not fair. And most people don't want to think this way. But it usually happens without us realizing that we're doing it. And it can still cause major problems for people. An African-American researcher named John Ba designed an experiment to study whether people treated you differently depending on your accent. In the experiment, he responded to newspaper advertisements for apartments. He would call each phone number three times, and he always said the same thing. But he used three different accents. 
Here's John Ba demonstrating the African-American accent he used. Hello, I'm calling about the apartment you have advertised in the paper. And the so-called standard English accent. Hello, I'm calling about the apartment you have advertised in the paper. And finally, the Latino accent he used. Hello, I'm calling about the apartment you have advertised in the paper. When he spoke with an African-American or Latino accent, he was usually told the apartment was no longer available. But when he telephoned using what he calls professional standard English, he was often invited to tour the apartments. This is just one example of how a prejudice against an accent can affect a person's life. Right. And that's why some people with certain accents might want to change how they talk. Here's Nicole again. Because the accents that we would say are stigmatized or sort of looked down upon are ones that are frequently attached to people that have less kind of social power. But Nicole says people shouldn't have to change how they talk because of this. Instead, we should change how we listen. Right. Listeners should be careful not to make assumptions or judgments based on how someone talks instead of speakers having to change the way they talk. The burden to change should not be on the person doing the talking. It should be on the person doing the listening. Because in fact, humans are really good at adapting to other people's voices when we want to. So instead of sort of stigmatizing or or being prejudiced against some varieties or accents, really we should sort of celebrate that this is part of the human experience. Language always has this variation built in. And it's useful for us to know who people are and part of what their life story is. So next time you hear someone who might have a different accent than you, just think about how you're really being told a story. A story about the pastor's life, but also about their ancestors and about how people have moved around the world for thousands of years. Thousands of years of history in each word. That's pretty amazing. Most languages have many different accents or different ways of pronouncing the same words. The accent you have is based on a couple different factors. One is that we want to fit in with the people around us. Every accent tells the story of how groups of people have moved around the globe. Like why Americans and British people sound different than each other. Some people have prejudices against certain accents. So sometimes people try to get rid of their accents. But your accent is beautiful and tells the story of you. That's it for this episode of Brains On. This episode was produced by Molly Bloom, Rosie Dupont, Anna Goldfield, Ruby Guthrie, Mark Sanchez, and Nico Gonzalez-Whistler. Our editors are Sandin Totten and Shayla Farzan. We had engineering help from Jess Berg and Jan Pelchar. Our executive producer is Beth Perlman. And the executives in charge of APM Studios are Chandra Kafadi, Joanne Griffith, and Alex Schaffert. Many special thanks to John Ba and Sai and Yola Hood. Brains On is a non-profit public radio program. If you like the show, there are lots of ways you can support us, like buy our books. Donate to the show. Tell your friends about us. Or send in your drawings. Brainson.org is the place. Okay, Zasha, now back to that mystery sound. You ready? Yep. Hmm. What are your new thoughts? I actually don't have any new thoughts. I still think it's a vacuum or a hoover, as I would say, um, or a leaf blower. I'm going to go with the one I think is most likely, which is a hoover stroke vacuum. Okay. I have no better guess than that. I, I agree. It sounds like air moving with a motor. 
All right. You ready to hear what the answer is? Yep, I think. All right. <laughs> Here it is. Hi, Brains On. I'm Evelyn, and that was the sound of a paper shredder shredding paper. Oh, a paper shredder. Have you seen one of those before? I have seen one. I've never heard one. I have seen a Hoover stroke vacuum, and I have heard a Hoover stroke vacuum. <laughs> yes, because, you know, you can only imagine what you've heard before. Yep. So you've never heard a paper shredder. Yeah, I no. have heard one, and I still found that very hard to guess. That was a tricky one. Yeah, so I guess the motor was shredding the paper. Mm. So sucking in yeah. paper rather than air. Yeah. That was a tricky one. Now it's time for the Brains Honor Roll. These are the incredible kids who send us their questions, ideas, mystery sounds, drawings, and high fives. Summer and Lori from Vacaville, California. Avery from Wyckoff, New Jersey. Arthur from Clifton Springs, New York. Sebastian and Noah from Cookville, Tennessee. Riker from Regina, Saskatchewan. Nathan from Evanston, Illinois. Holly from San Jose, California. Cameron from Daly City, California. Jacob from Marlboro, Massachusetts. Wilbur from Regina, Saskatchewan. Zoe from Santa Cruz, California. Nate, Maya, and Sylvie from New Jersey. Lily from California. Faye from Toronto. Maple from Taiwan. Tabitha from Birmingham, Alabama. Elise from Salt Lake City. Evie from Houston. Quinn and Cora from New Prague, Minnesota. Teague from Kennewick, Washington. Washington, Owen and Charlie from Potomac, Maryland, Adeline from Oak Park, Illinois, Leo from Seattle, Sean from Los Angeles, Maya from Tel Aviv, Israel, Kavea from Brampton, Ontario, Avery from Wendell, North Carolina, Dan and Barrett from Reading, Connecticut, Sydney from Encino, California, Charlotte, Natalie and Genevieve from Lawrence, Kansas, Parta and Sadana from Austin, Texas, Vera and Rhea from Vienna, Virginia, Ivy from San Jose, California, Jackson from Clarksville, Tennessee, Liana from Macau, Matthew from Dubai, Owen from Braidwood, Australia, David from Comer, Indiana, Ashlyn from Watertown, New York, Crystal from Powell, Tennessee, from Los Angeles, Camden from Front Royal, Virginia, Molly from Haslett, Texas, Devin, Carson, and Jacob from Alberta, Hosa from Carbondale, California, Adam from Sammamish, Washington, Claire from Mundellin, Illinois, Elodie from Edinburgh, Scotland, Grayson from Severn, Maryland, Zoe from Canada, Willow from Kempton, Pennsylvania, Marcel from New Orleans, Liam and Julian from Louisville, Kentucky, Alden from Washington, D.C., Ada from Spokane, Washington, Walden from San Francisco, Isla Rose from Cranford, New Jersey, Thea from Brooklyn, New York, Holden from Prescott, Arizona, Emma from San Francisco, Zachary from Kirkland, Washington, Claire from Doha, Qatar, Andrew and Sadie from Spotsylvania, Virginia, Evie from Asheville, North Carolina, Sperry and Spencer from Washington, D.C., Soleil Rosalie from Petaluma, California, Christopher from Ashburn, Virginia, Peregrine from Woodenville, Washington, and Jubal and Billy from Olive Hill, Kentucky. We'll be back next week with more answers to your questions. Thanks for listening.